God, we love you, we praise you, we glorify in the mighty name of Jesus. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and that it's active and that it's sharper than a double-edged sword. God, we pray today that you'd use this word to change us, challenge us, and to convict us. Father, we pray that we would not leave here the same way that we came in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. We'll be in Matthew chapter 12, verses 33 through 37 this morning. If this is your uh, uh, first time here at Faith and Victory, this is what we do. We just go through the Bible line by line. I encourage you to pay attention as we go through this. I also encourage you to silence your cell phones so that you don't become a sermon example in the middle of the sermon. Amen? Matthew 12, 33 through 37. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word that you may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. What Jesus is describing here, immediately after going through some doctrinal statements previously in this chapter, He's saying to his disciples, if you want to see where you're at, you have got to check your fruit. If you want to see where you need to be, you've got to check your fruit. And he describes it and he says, the fruit is easy to see. The fruit comes from your mouth. It's what you do and, and, and pay attention. This is, the, this is the kicker here. He says, pay attention because on judgment day, you're going to give an account for every idle word that you speak. You're going to give an account for every idle word that you speak. You're going to answer for everything you say, everything you said, and everything that you do. Did, did your stomach sink when I said that? Because I know mine did. I know my stomach sank when I read that because I, I want to get this right. I want to honor God. I, I don't want to stand before God on judgment day and have to give an account for every wrong word that I've said. And so I, I've, got to, I've got to look at the fruit of my life and I've got to examine that fruit and say, is this good fruit? And if it's not fruit, I got to get rid of it. Amen. Amen. Uh, just down our driveway, there's a, a house there and it has a bunch of uh, vines of grapes growing on the fence. And it's, it's a long fence, probably twice the distance of the width of this room. And it's just covered. And it's got um, just leaves. And you lift up the leaves and there's a bunch of grapes there. And so my other neighbor went and knocked on the door of the person that owns the home and said, hey, uh, what are you doing with all these grapes? And the lady said, oh, you guys can have as many grapes as you want. And me and Chris were really excited. So we w- walked up to the end of our driveway, brought some containers. And literally in about four to five minutes, we put like... 10 to 15 pounds of grapes in our containers. So many grapes, just beautiful, beautiful looking grapes. I took them home, the worst grapes I've ever had in my life. <laughs> they, were just, they were not good, like at all. They were Concord grapes and you eat them and there's like this little bulbous fleshly knob that's, and then there's like three to five little seeds. Not only does it not taste good, it has a horrible mouthfeel and it's filled with seeds. No wonder this person didn't care if we took them all. They're horrible. And so they've been sitting in our refrigerator for the last two weeks, just staring at me saying, what are you going to do with me? And I'm like, I'm going to make you into a sermon example. And then I'm going to throw you away. That's exactly what I'm going to do. Verse 33, either make the tree good and it's fruit good or else make the tree bad and it's fruit bad for a tree is known by its fruit. A tree is known by its fruit. See, 
if you read your Bibles, Jesus constantly uses agrarian examples. And if you don't know what agrarian means, it means farmer types. And so it means people that work the, with the ground with their hands. And so he constantly uses agrarian examples to people. Uh, number one, because that was the society in which they lived. Most people were farmers back then. But also it's because they're timeless examples that still apply to us 2,000 years later. They weren't cultural. They were timeless. And, and for thousands of years, it's still true. A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. That's just the nature of a tree. They understood that. You understand it as I'm talking about it today. Have, have any of you guys ever seen any of those television programs where they put people out in the middle of nowhere and you have to live? And if not, you die and then you get money if you win. Have you guys seen these shows? There's a lot of them. And, and I've watched many of them. And I remember years ago, I was watching one and it was one of these group shows uh, where there's a group of people out there and they don't give them anything and you've got to live. And the person that lives wins money and the people that don't, I guess they die. Um, and so they had, this group of people had been looking for food for many, many days. And uh, they came upon this tree. This is a true story of a true television program. I'm not making this up. Okay. Reality. They come upon this tree and one of the people in the group goes, oh, I know this tree. We can eat this tree. It's great fruit. And it was beautiful. They were like, I don't know, in some foreign land. And it was a fruit that I'd never seen before. It was multicolored and it was gorgeous. And they're like, oh, I know this fruit. It's a good fruit. And, and, and he said, here, just take a bite and you'll see it. And they're like, oh, this is so good. It tastes like cotton candy or something, right? And so this group of eight people just began to just devour this fruit because they hadn't eaten in days. And they're just like, oh, it's so good. And, oh, this is so great that we have it. My belly's so full. And then a short time after, they became violently ill like out of both ends, like they had to, they had to bring EMS in and stop the reality show. Literally six of these people almost died. Two people were like, I didn't eat the fruit because I didn't know what it was. They said it looked like it could have been good, but it was clear that this was bad fruit. There's a sermon in there somewhere. It looked good. It even tasted good. But it wasn't a good tree and it wasn't good fruit. It was at the, at the core, it was toxic. But people didn't believe what they uh, uh, knew about it. They just made it into be something that it's not because they so wanted to trust what they saw with their eyes. Luke 6, Jesus said, For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. Jesus wants his disciples to have good fruit from a good tree because a tree is going to be known by its fruit. What does it produce? If it doesn't produce fruit, it's not a fruit tree. Now, Jesus is the tree and Jesus is the one that produces good fruit. And so these disciples, he wants Jesus, Jesus says, I want you to produce the same fruit that I do. And the only way that you can produce that fruit is staying connected to me. Yeah. Matthew seven sixteen, he said, they will know them by their fruits. Now, every single one of you in this room knows what I mean when I say good fruit, yeah. right? Like three of you. Okay. Good, good fruit is sweet. It's flavorful. It's satisfying. It's nutritious. It's easy to pick. It's easy to reproduce. I don't know why these people, they have a fruit tree that produces the most disgusting apples, applesauce. You'll love it, right? You don't want the fruit yourself and you're trying to give it away to other people. 
your fruit uh, is bad, uh, bad pears or bad cherries or whatever. And then you go so far as actually keep this tree in your yard that you hate the fruit from. You understand what I'm saying. But you go to somebody's house, you know, those well-heeled people that can offer mangoes to their guests. And you're like, oh, this is so good. These are great mangoes. And then you eat a bunch of them, pretend like you're not eating a bunch of them, but you don't have mangoes at your own house. You guys don't do that? I do that too. Oh, if no one's going to eat these, I'll just eat them all. How do we make a tree good? Well, uh, here's, here's something that you may not know about me is I love to research stuff. I love to watch YouTube videos and read articles. Sometimes I like to research stuff that I have no intention of doing whatsoever. Like uh, a couple of years ago, I was going to make a boat in my garage. Like, and so I spent like two months. <laughs> Rob looks at me and smiles because he knows my skills. And he, he's like, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I literally, for like two months, I figured out how I was going to make a boat out of plywood and then like become a boater. Just like I never did it. Um, but most of the time I research stuff ad nauseum because I want to get it right when I do something. I don't want to waste my time. So I spend a lot of front end time. And so uh, where we live, I want to, I want some fruit trees where I live and I don't have any fruit trees. And so I've been studying when to plant fruit trees and how to plant fruit trees. I'm outside of the window. The best time to plant them is in September. And I've got a lot of work to do to make my ground ready for fruit trees. And, and what I found was this company where you can get like a, an apple or a pear sapling for really little, like not much money. It's like a hundred dollars. And they guarantee that it's going to produce fruit the next year if you plant it correctly. And, and what they, they go into all of this uh, talk about how much work you have to do to get the right fruit. You have to plant correctly. You have to prepare the ground correctly. You have to plant it in the right place. You have to water it. You have to baby this thing for the first year so that it will produce fruit. But if you don't, it will not produce fruit. You can't just like scrape back the top soil and throw this thing in and then magically somehow it's going to produce great fruit. There's a sermon in there somewhere. It's almost like Jesus knew what he was talking about, that a good tree produces good fruit. And, and, and so there's a lot of prep that goes into making a tree that has good fruit. And so he says, you've got to make the tree good. You've got to get at the root. If you're going to produce good fruit, you've got to make the tree good. You, you can't produce good fruit from a bad tree. You can openly produce good fruit from a good tree. You have to get at the root. If you're a bad tree, you're not going to make good fruit. How do we make a tree good? Starts with ground prep. That's what we have to do. What's the, what's the ground prep and the root of the Christian? What do we have to do? We have to repent. It starts with repentance. Now, people that don't understand me or understand the word of God, repent is very simply means to turn. And repentance is turning. And, and people say, well, shouldn't, shouldn't Jesus be the number one thing that we do? Yes, Jesus is the number one thing that we do. But the way that you come to Jesus is you come through repentance. You come through turning from your old life and turning towards a new life in Christ. And so the only way that you can become a good tree is you've got to go to the good tree and let him be your roots. You've got to be rooted and grounded in him. You've got to be planted in him. You cannot be yourself and expect to produce good fruit. It just doesn't work that way. 
The only thing that you can do is be connected to Jesus and grafted in him, grounded in him, and then you produce good fruit. This is why Jesus said that we must bear fruits worthy of repentance. When when we have fruits in our lives, it's the fruit of our repentance of turning towards God in faith. Ezekiel 18.31 says this, cast away from you all the transgressions you have committed and get yourselves a new heart and a new spirit for why should you die, O house of Israel? Folks, this is a gospel truth that flows throughout the whole entire Bible that you cannot be who God is asking you to be if you stay the person that you used to be. You can't do it. God wants heart change. God wants, wants a complete transformation of who you are. And so when Jesus says you've got to produce different fruit in your life, he's not asking you to do it on your own. He's not saying just will yourself to this or try harder. He's saying the only way that you can do this is to become something totally and completely new. And the way that you do that is in me. And, and frankly, many people don't have this because they haven't been converted. Now, if you don't know what converted means, converted means it was something and then it became something else. And, and, and if you've been listening to me preach for longer than a month, you realize I talk about repentance a lot. And the reason why I talk about repentance a lot is there's a lot of people that are in church, go to church and attend church that have not been converted. They haven't been changed. They, they, they agree to a set of beliefs or they say, well, you know, I'll kind of keep my stuff together on Sundays and I'll be a Christian, but they've never been converted. And then they go back to the rest of their lives and the rest of their weeks and they're fruitless and, and they're doing things that they need not be doing. And, and, and they say, well, how come I don't have any fruit in my life? You've never been converted. You're a thorn. You're, you're a bramble bush and you're trying to produce fruit instead of coming to Jesus and being made into something new. You go to Jesus, you become something new, and all of a sudden this fruit gets produced in your life. You're like, man, I don't know where this is coming from. It, it, it must be from something out, outside of myself. Jesus said this in uh, John chapter 15. In John chapter 15, uh, verses 4 through 7, Jesus uh, uh, says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And abiding is, does not mean I go to church for 90 minutes on a Sunday. That is not abiding. Abiding is not, I read my Bible when I sinned last week and I need to feel better. Abiding is not, I hold it together when I'm around my Christian friends so that they think I'm one of them. That's not abiding. Abiding is living. Abiding is, is all day, 24-7, 365. That means I am a Christian and that's who I am and that's how I live. That's abiding. And so he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Amen. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. And so when you're asking, Lord, how come I don't have any fruit now? Uh, why, why is my life just like this? I don't have any fruit in my life. Well, go and ask for Jesus what, what, what you want and he'll give it to you. He'll give you that fruit. But the only way you can get that fruit is to abide in Jesus, to live in Jesus, to make your life centered around Jesus. Jeremiah 2.21, uh, Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah said to Israel, yet I had planted you a noble vine, a seed of highest quality, How then have you turned before me into the degenerate plant of an alien vine? 
Oh, isn't that a, isn't that a word picture? A degenerate plant of an alien vine. And so if you find yourself doing things and saying things and living ways in your life and you say, I just don't feel like this is how God wants me to live. I don't feel like this is who I'm supposed to be. You, you may have become a degenerate vine. You may have become someone that's no longer engrafted in the vine of Christ and you're disconnected from him because he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. You can only live in me and then I produce this fruit in you, but it's only connected to me. You got to have good soil. You've got to have good water. You got to have lots of sun. You got to get rid of the weeds. And you, if you are in Christ, friend, you are a good seed connected to a good vine and you'll produce good fruit. Don't become a degenerate seed. Stay connected to Jesus. The next part of the scripture, Jesus says, you brood of vipers. How can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If if you have a good heart, you're going to have a good mouth. Now, Jesus gets to the outputs of the fruit. Now, you'll notice in the outputs of the fruit, he doesn't say the, the, the determination of your fruit is how many acts of service that you do. He doesn't say how much money that you give. He doesn't say how many lepers you've cleansed. It's, it's not these external actions that determines your fruitfulness. He doesn't say how often have you been to church and how nice are you to, to, to the widows. It's none of that. He says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks and what comes out of somebody's mouth is the indication of what their fruit is if someone is indeed connected to the tree of Jesus they will produce good fruit from your from their mouth and Jesus says if you're evil everything out of your mouth is evil you evil people he says you can't even speak good things but he makes it very clear if you want to see where someone's heart is at Check what's coming out of their mouth. Check their mouth. Their their mouth is so clear. Just listen to their mouth and you will know exactly where their heart is. Matthew 15, 18, he says, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and they defile a man. And you've seen it. You've heard it. It's the negative, gossipy, cutting down, put down, nasty talk. All, All of that is an indication of somebody's heart. When, 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 when you are gossiping or you're bad talking or you're cussing or you're uh, speaking ill will about people or your boss or your friends or whoever, that, that is an outpouring of your heart. And I, I don't know why, but people try to act like they're Christians when they're not and try to say the right words. But, you know, if you've been eating fruit, you can smell it on somebody's breath and you can smell on somebody's breath if they are faking the funk, man saying the right things you know it's in one it's in one corinthians you know what i mean like (laughs) what is your favorite book of the bible well how can you put one favorite you love them all really yes me what my favorite book is ecclesiastes right i mean at least say like john or something (laughs) jeez Here's what James said. James said, can salt and fresh water flow from the same spring? Bad-mouthing, people that bad-mouth other people based on the scripture can say that, I can say you have an evil heart and it needs to change. Because James said, salt water and fresh water can't flow out of the same stream. So if all you have is salt that's coming out of your mouth, then James says, you got a heart problem. Jesus says, you got a heart problem. 
Something needs to change inside you. If what's coming out of your mouth, because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, that means if what's out there is there, and that means there's a heart issue that needs to be changed inside of you. This, this, friend, this is for us. Please, let me, let me. Let me just come down here for a second. I don't, I don't want to admit for any, for any moment that I'm sitting up here being like, I have utter and complete control over my mouth. <laughs> and you peons better get it together. <laughs> this is not that show and this is not that party. Okay? We are going through this together. This is the Holy Spirit convicting me as I have to work on this sermon to be like, you know what, Pastor, you better get your mouth right because there's parts of your heart that need to change. And I don't know why it is, man. Like I find myself, I'm being brought to my devotions this morning. I love Jesus. And I leave the house. Oh, I love you, honey. And then I get my car and then I just become this demon possessed. You know, like no one's in the car. And all of a sudden I'm, you know, Samuel Jackson. You know, I was like, what happened? Please tell me I'm not alone. Okay, good. So this is for us. I'm not, okay, good. Because if it's just me, I'll sit down and we'll have Crystal preach this morning or something. Like the, the Bible talks a lot about the heart and our need to keep it, man. It really does. Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. That, this is why we need to check our hearts. This is why a message like this is so good for us. It's good for us to sit here under this and just check our hearts with diligence, not lie to ourselves and be like, well, I've been serving God for a lot of years and this is just kind of the way I am. It's like, the way you is is wrong, bro. Like it needs to change. Like we need a heart change. You need Jesus to do something new inside of you. We need to pray, change my heart, God, please. Don't just change my actions, change my heart. Oh God, I can keep it together 99% of the time, but why that 1% when nobody else is around and I hit my thumb, what comes out of my mouth is not good. Let me speak in tongues instead of something else. You know what I mean? Like, oh, Shundai, you know, like let something come out instead of what's coming out. Let me let my heart be honoring to you and you alone. How can we pragmatically apply this to our lives? We, we've got to practice righteousness. And that means live like a Christian. Do what Jesus said. Like we, we, we can't, like we, we talk about life change and heart change and everything else. And the Holy Spirit does it and Jesus does it. But there's this weird a symbiotic relationship where it's not like we can put this thing under our head at night and it goes in. Like we have to read it. Right? And no one controls our, our hands and our feet and our mouth. We have to actually live this out. We have to say, well, I want to honor God with this area of my life. I want my life to be changed by him. The Bible says in 1 John 3.10, In this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. And, and, and so that means that if we're doing things that are unrighteous, we're like, man, I don't think this is what Christians should be doing. Uh, so I'm not going to do this. This means that we should watch what we say. We, we should be watching our tongue and our mouth and our habits. We, we've just, we've got to be different. We, we can't be like the world. We can't come to church on Sunday and then show up to work on Monday and just act like everybody else around the water cooler. We've, we've got to be different. And there's no justification like, well, that's just how it is at my work. There's no clause for that in here. 
There's no clause for that. There is a scripture that says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. I mean, I'm dumb enough to take God at his word. If he says, let no corrupt word, then that means no corrupt word. Amen. It also means that we should not be planning evil in our hearts. I do not for the life of me understand why people that call themselves Christians plan evil in their hearts towards other people. But they do it. They, they plan to have these zingers. They're like, sit around all day and like, man, when I see them, I'm going to say this. Ooh, it's going to tear them up. They, people do this. They, they get in a fight with their spouse and they spend all day long waiting to give their spouse a zinger when they come home. Way to go, dude. Like you're killing it. You know, it's like they get in an argument with someone at church and then they're like, oh, well, I'm going to go to them and I'm going to say this and then they'll say that and then I'll get them with this. I'm like, the Bible says in Psalm 140, who plan evil things in their hearts. They continually gather for war. They, they sharpen their tongues like a serpent. The poison of asps is under their lips. Do, do you plan to hurt others? Do you plan to zing other people with your words? The Bible says that's bad. And I, I don't get it, man. Like I, I have enough problems going back and apologizing to people when I say things unintentionally. Where I'm like, did I say that? Like you said that. Oh, dang it. I didn't mean to say that that way. Would you apologize to me? Please forgive me. But people go to another end where you're actually planning on things that you're going to say to people to hurt them. So then you really have to go back and like, well, I planted it in my heart deceitfully to hurt you with my words. <sighs> I don't, I, I can honestly stand, stand before you and God and say, I do not do that. Amen. I don't plan to hurt people. I do hurt people with my words because I talk faster than I think sometimes, but I, I don't, I, it's unintentional. I don't try to do it. So if you're a person that intentionally tries to hurt people with your mouth, dude no don't do that that is not good we've got to speak grace we all feel like failures no one needs help okay we we all wake up in the morning oh i don't i don't why i don't wake up in the morning like another day of winning you know, I, 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 I literally, like, I, I wake up on Monday mornings and I say to my wife, I'm like, was that preaching good? Yeah, but I probably said something wrong. They hate me. Why am I doing this? That's just what I, I feel like that a lot of the days. And so then someone that wants to come in and just be like, well, you know, that's something I'm going to share with you. I've been sharpening my tongue and eh. <laughs> thanks, dude. Thank you. And I, I, I don't, I don't know why, like, and, and it's funny, like with girls, girls, like they'll be like, oh man, that's such a beautiful smock you're wearing today. You know, like, like <laughs> the girls not wear smocks. <laughs> Do girls not wear a smock? They wear aprons. What do they wear nowadays? Come on. That was funny. <laughs> a blouse. Okay. A scarf. Beautiful eyeshadow, like whatever. So what girls say to each other, right? Dudes, I don't know why guys like this, like, what's up, stupid? Were you working on your car last night? That's what you wore to church. Why didn't you shave, dummy? That, I don't know why guys talk to each other that way. It's like this put-down culture. 
I don't do that. I really don't. And for the men that are at this church, you'll notice that I try really hard to always compliment you all the time because I'm trying to create a culture of complimenting. I don't, I don't, I already feel like I don't look good enough or I feel like I'm not good enough or I feel I'm not doing enough. I have all those thoughts. I don't need your help to make me feel inadequate. I just don't. Like I'm doing a good enough job on my own without your help. Colossians 4.2, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt that you may know how to answer each one. And so we want to speak comfort. We want to speak edification. Can we just agree that life is hard enough without being torn down? I mean, isn't it, isn't it hard enough without that? Like it's hard enough worrying about everything else and how are you going to take care of your family and pay your bills and, you know, shop without a gun turret, you know, like all those things that just go through our minds. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you are also doing. Here's the next part of the scripture. Verse 35, Jesus says this, a good man out of the good treasure, his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. So Jesus is saying this, if you have a good heart, good heart, and we talked about if you're in a good heart, good root, trailing Jesus, he says, you'll be a good man. So we want to be a good man, right? And then he says, you'll have good treasure and good things. Now, I do not know exactly what this good treasure is or this good things, but I'm in. Like, I want good treasure and I want good things. I mean, do you want evil treasure and evil things? Or do you want good treasure and good things? If you didn't know anything else, but these were the two options. Evil treasure, evil things, good treasure, good things. Which one would you want? Good, right? I want the good. And so, so what is that exactly? I don't know exactly what that is, but what I do know is it's not evil. And so if Jesus is saying good man, good heart, good treasure, good things, sign me up for that. That's what I want in my life. Sounds like I need to get my heart right. It seems like I need to be connected to Jesus to produce this good treasure and have good things. And, and, I, and I want that. And, and, and what it looks like and what it, how it manifests in my life is not nearly as important as where it comes from. Yeah. Having the good treasure and, a, and good things might look different to you than it does to me because God is a, a God that loves us individually. And, and so I'm not going to worry about what the output looks like. What I'm going to worry about and look at is, well, it comes from a good heart to be a good man. And so if I want to be a good man with a good heart, I've got to get back to Jesus. I've got to stay connected to him. And if I'm connected to Jesus, then I'll have a good heart and then I'll be a good man. And then I'll get good treasure and then I'll get good things. But it all starts with the heart. The Old Testament preached about this as well. First Samuel 24, 13 is the proverb of the ancients say, wickedness proceeds from the wicked. Everybody knows this, man. Wickedness is bad. And we should not want to be wicked at all. And, and, and I'm, I'm going to say it, man. When people that call themselves Christians are wicked, I wonder whether or not they're actually saved. I wonder whether or not they're converted. We all make mistakes. Okay, we all make mistakes, but if you are a cantankerous, problem-causing, just pit viper, and then you try to put on the Christian hat and be like, hey, we're going to the meeting. Like, no. Like, if that's the life that you're leading, like, go back to the cross, man. Go and be converted. Romans 13, uh, let, let me explain to this, okay? Now, we talk about being a good man, but let's not get it twisted. None of us are good. Without Jesus, none of us are good. Romans 3.10, as it is written, there's none righteous, not one. Our righteousness and our goodness is 100% connected to being connected to Jesus. 
in and of ourselves, we can't do this. I, if there's anything good in my life, it is because of who Jesus is. It's not because of who I am. I don't will myself to it. I don't try harder to it. I, I just go farther into my relationship with Jesus and allow him to change my heart. And so I want to make that clear because I don't want people to come out of here and think like, well, maybe, maybe I'm just not a good enough person. No, you can't be a good enough person. That's the point. You can't do it on your own. That's why the Bible says your righteousness, your ability to try to do things on your own strength is filthy rags before God. Filthy rags. It's actually menstrual rags. That's, That's how dirty your acts of righteousness are before holy God. And so your only answer is Jesus. I was talking to a gentleman a couple weeks ago and, and I was uh, uh, telling him about this sermon and, and uh, this person wasn't a Christian and he said, well, I'm a, I'm a good man. And I was like, are you? And I said, well, what do you think makes you a good man? He's like, well, you know, I'm faithful to my wife and, you know, I got a good job and you know, I'm a good guy. And I was like, well, you know, the Bible says that none of us are good. The Bible says that you're under the wrath of God, that you're an offense to him because you have rejected Christ as your savior. He was like, like, yeah, dude, that's Bible. That's what the Bible says. But people live in this world where they think like, well, I don't do this, so I must be that. I, I don't take part in this, so I must be that. I'm, I'm in this political group, or I have this type of job, or I, I never have done this, and the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says that there's no, none good except God, and that without Christ, we're on offense to him. So what does that mean to us? Now, I'm going to give you a few things to, to work on. As we, If I haven't given you enough already, we're going to give you some more, okay? Now, if you don't know this, all the notes are online. You can always look. Uh, they'll post them in the next couple of days. And I encourage you to go back, listen to the message, and go through and read these scriptures so you can give stuff to work on. So I'm going to give you a few things to list. This isn't the end of the sermon. We're, we're gearing to, you're closer than you were 30 minutes ago, but we're not there yet, okay? Because I, I see some of you with this look on your face like, hurry up, the tables are getting full at the restaurants, we want to go. You need a vaccine card, you can't go. So just stay here. Um, uh, I want to be described like Acts 11.24, for he was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and faith. That's, that's honestly, like that's what I want. Like I don't know when God's going to bring me home or what he's going to do. But I want that. I mean, I want. I want. I wanted to say, like, man, Matt was a good man. He was full of the full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith. And so, what what are the nuggets, man? Because I'm a list guy. I'm like, okay, if that's who I want to be, what is it going to take to get me there? Well, I got to be engrafted in Jesus. But there's other things I can't be doing, like pragmatically, to help me in this life to be a good man. Proverbs three three: Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. So the Bible says that, you know, be merciful, love people. I mean, that's what the Bible teaches and know the Bible and have it inside your heart. You can't, you can't recall a Bible you've never read. <laughs> you can't be reminded of a scripture that you haven't read. And so it's good to spend time in the word and bind those on the tablet of your heart. It's good to show mercy and truth. That seems doable, doesn't it? Uh, Proverbs 13.22 says, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Now, Dave Ramsey likes to use that verse and talk about money, and I, I don't... I think it does specifically talk about money is that it's good to not leave your family a bunch of debt. If you're in debt, get out of debt because that's not a good inheritance to your children. But what's also not a good inheritance is being a dirt bag and having a bad family name so that your kids inherit your bad name. Like just be an upstanding Christian person, man. 
Live your life with integrity. Don't, don't on your deathbed have all your creditors and people that you've hurt come around and be like, man, you have no idea what kind of person that your father was, but he was a horrible, horrible man. Like, really? Come on, man. Leave an inheritance to your children. Proverbs 20, 20 verse 6 says, most men will proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? Dude, just be faithful. faithful. If you're looking for something to do, man, just be faithful. Yeah. And faithfulness does not take anything more than just keep showing up, man. Yeah. It's funny, like if you just keep showing up, all of a sudden you grow. Yeah. You just keep showing up and all of a sudden you're like, man, I'm just walking with Jesus a whole lot more, man. I don't know what it is. I just keep being faithful. And when, when they need help, I help. And when the people are going, I'm going. I'm just going to be faithful. Psalm 37, 16 says, a little, uh, a little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. Learn to live with less. If you, if you want to be a good man, learn to live with less. To have less demands of what you need in this life. When you have a list of like, oh, I need this, 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 and this, then it's so hard to have a, a happy life because you've made the list too high. Like, be like, man, I need a bar of soap and a bag of oatmeal. Like, if I have those two things, I'm good. Anything more than that, it's, it's like when I married Crystal, I said, I promise you sleeping bags on the floor and top ramen. If you want more than that, I'm not your guy. Like, just keep it really, really low. And then what do you get? Proverbs 12, 2, a good man obtains favor from, favor from the Lord, but a man of wicked intentions, he will condemn. We want favor from the Lord. Here's my, here's my last point, and then we'll let you go. Good words, good job. Okay, what do I mean by that? Now... I really wanted, now preaching 101, what, what I try to do is I always try to leave you with like, yeah, like we're leaving and oh, we can do it. And, and I, I just try to do that because, you know, who, no one wants to leave feeling like, ow, but like there's no other way to slice it today. That's just how you're going to leave today. Um, because the, the way the scripture goes, this is the end. And this is the, if you haven't been paying attention, you haven't felt it yet, you're going to feel it right now. If you're paying attention, you want to honor God. But I say to you, that for every idle word men speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Now, an idle word means any word that is not planned. An idle word means a word that you speak that you shouldn't have spoken. An idle word is something that you're like, I'm saying something that I need not to be saying. And Jesus says, by your words, you're going to be justified. If you confess your mouth, Jesus, Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. That's what the Bible says, justified with your words. But also by your words, you're going to be condemned by what you say. I, I only have the grace of God on this one, man. Because I know that if, if it was me and he's sitting there, he's like, all right, let's, let's recap this. So you were in the car. Your navigation system wasn't working and you said... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> let's rewind it. I just want to make sure. So you're in the car. There's a navigation system. You're trying to get your navigation system to work. And you said, let's play it for everybody to hear. As you said, I said it like, <laughs> I just preached the grace, please. Just <laughs> will you forgive me, Lord. I, I apologize when I was in the car. And I, he's like, I remember you said it, that I forgave you from it. But well, you still, I said, you're going to be held accountable on the day of judgment for every word that you said. It's kind of embarrassing, right? Like, I lost my cookies on that. You know what I mean? I get held together with everybody else, but I'm alone in my car, and for some reason the wires aren't working, and what's the traffic doing, and and you know what I mean? Does anybody else get anything out of this, or is it just me? 
gosh, I say this stuff and you guys look at me like, no, it's not us, it's you. Just keep preaching to yourself, pastor. We'll wait for you to be done. Jesus says this, this is going to be played. Not, not just what you say when you're alone. It's what you say to yourself. What you say to your spouse is going to be played back on judgment day. What you say about your boss behind closed doors is going to be, going to be played on judgment day. What you say about me as your pastor is going to be played on judgment day. There's not any idle word that he's like, oh, well, you can, you're, you're alone. You can say that. Or, oh, you're with your spouse. And you can say every idle word, like we should just come to church and be like, Ecclesiastes 12:14 for God will bring every work into judgment including every secret thing whether evil or good the, 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 there's going to be a complete recall of where we're at on judgment day yes. complete recall man these scriptures should give us pause. Revelation 20, 12, And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things that were written in the books. Let me show you what Jude 14 and 15 says. Watch this. Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men, also saying, Behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his saints. Verse 15. To execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Romans 2.16, In the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 4.5, Therefore judge nothing before the uh, time until the Lord comes, who will bring both will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. Acts 17.31, Because he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man he has ordained. So what do we do? Friends, we have got to watch our mouths. Oh, we've got to watch our mouths. We got to get our heart changed. If you have a mouth problem, go back to the root, go back to Jesus and say, Jesus, I, it's clear my mouth is not where it needs to be. So the problem is that I'm not connected enough to you, Lord. Change me, refine me, do something inside of me, Lord. I don't want these words to be held against me on judgment day. And so you just pray and you ask God, you say, Lord, forgive me. Now, last week we talked about the unforgivable sin. Bless God, this is not the unforgivable sin. Okay. So if you're sitting here this morning, you can, you can still call out to Jesus. You can rest in the forgiveness of Jesus. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, by your words you'll be justified, by your words you'll be condemned. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So just confess your sins, man. Live a life of righteousness. Uh, many of you have probably heard from John Wesley, who was uh, uh, an old theologian. It's where Methodism came from. John Wesley used to pray at the top of every single hour for forgiveness for what he may have done the previous hour. And then he would pray in 15-minute increments throughout that hour to make sure that that 15-minute increment was good. And then at the end of that hour, still pray over the last hour to prepare his heart for the next hour and ask him for forgiveness for anything he may have thought or did during the last hour. That's why they call them Methodists. They've lost their way. But that's, that's, um, it's true. 
The United Methodist Church is in deep disrepair, man. They're a bunch of reprobates. John Wesley's turning over in his grave, so to speak, right? Because he took righteousness seriously. He had a method to following God. He took it seriously. And so we can't be prideful about it, man. Psalm 32, 5, I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. Just pray. Say, God, I need help with my mouth. I don't care if you've been serving God for 30 years. If you've got a mouth problem, go to Jesus today and be done with it. Like, you know what, Jesus, it took this sermon to let me know that I've got a problem with my mouth and the problem apparently seems to be my heart. So change my heart because the Bible says he who covers his sin will not prosper. But whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Amen. Do we want mercy this morning? Do we want to be prosperous? Yes. So we do not want to cover our sins. Just confess our sins of our mouth and move on and not be like that. Title of this sermon is, Are You Good? Are you good? And if you're good, then you'll be good with your heart and with your mouth and, and you'll be good with your treasure. But it all starts with going back to Jesus. Go to Jesus and let him change your heart and you'll be a good man with a good mouth and good treasure and good things. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads? If you're here this morning, you're not a Christian. I'd like to invite you to become one. It's really quite easy. Either you're a Christian or you're not. Either you've given your life to Jesus or you haven't. And you know it, man. You know if you're not a Christian. Well, today I want to invite you to become one. And it's just easy. You just have to say, I'm done living for myself. I want to live for Jesus. I want to be forgiven of my sins. And if you've never made that decision before and you want to make it for the first time, we want to pray with you this morning. I just want to ask you to raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus. Is there anybody that needs to do that for the very first time? Don't let today pass. And maybe you find yourself in this service today and you say, you know what, Pastor? I know the truth, man. I used to walk in it. It's been a while, but... I've walked away from Jesus. I'm no longer living for him or with him. And I've been waiting for a moment to come back to him, but I didn't know how to do it. Friend, today is your day. He loved you when you were his enemy. How much more so now does he love you that he calls you son or daughter? So if you need to come back to Jesus today, I want you to raise your hand and say, that's me. I need to come back to Jesus today. So everybody needs to make that rededication. I see that hand. those sins this morning that are connected to our mouths, Lord. Lord, please forgive us. Those idle words that we've spoken, things that need not be said. And God, we know that we, it's, we've made it abundantly clear that we cannot do this without you. And so, Lord, we're, we're just leaning more into you this morning. God, we're falling into your arms. God, we're asking that you would just uh, change things inside of us that only you can do, God. We, we can't do it on our own. We can only do it in you. So we submit to your lordship today. We submit to your power. We submit to your grace. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen, amen. Go ahead.
ahead and stand with us. Hey, we want to thank you so much for being online with us today. I want to remind you, if you're not a follower on Facebook, please like our page on YouTube. Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Tell all your friends. Continue to watch online. We thank you for watching. We love you so much. Have a great day.